7 o'clock. Good morning, Pyle. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Well, the Broncos put a giant lump of coal in your stocking. And then, if you're a Hackett hater, they gave you a little, uh, little yeah. Christmas present yesterday. Oh, sorry. That was not in not in mono. My bad. It's, it's a road, Jack. It's okay. So, and don't you come back no more, no more. Exactly. And so yesterday, thank you, Nathaniel Hackett gets fired. So does Dwayne Stukes, the special teams coach. Mm-hmm. And Butch Berry, the offensive line coach, which, oh, which is means good news for our buddy Ben Steele now, yeah. the Broncos <laughs> offensive line coach. And so, your reaction to this pile? Because everything that, that I've been reading is that the Randy Gregory incident at the end of the game during the handshakes, that along with Dalton Reisner and Brett Rippon, your boy Brett Rippon, getting into yeah. it. That, But in particular, the Gregory incident, mm-hmm. where he punched the Rams' offensive lineman. And now Gregory's suspended for a game, yeah. by the way. Um, that that They saw that and, okay, this is out of control mm-hmm. now. He's lost the locker room lost, at that point. lost his football team, and it's time to make, to make yeah. the change. And I saw the I, I think it's more the dust up on the sideline. The Randy Gregory thing, I know Randy's statement says that's not a reflection of his character, but it kinda is. That's kinda yeah. who he is a little bit. And, and I thought it was interesting because the thing it's a guy I who's oft suspended. Yeah, but usually another year, another suspension. Usually not for that, though, usually it's off the field stuff. Well, at least he took his issues onto the field. <laughs> I guess that's true. I mean, it was not during a game, but, but still on the field. But you're right. I, th- I would have thought it'd be the Reisner Rippin thing, but I, but I did read that the ownership group had a real problem punching with, each other. With, with, Fine. With, with, with Grandy Gregory losing yeah. his mind at the end of that game at the, during the handshakes. Right. Wanting to throw hands with your own team? That's fine. Wanting to throw hands with the other yeah. team? That's bad. I tend to think it was probably a combination mm-hmm. of both. I don't think it was probably one or the other. I think it was both. And at least with the sideline dust-up, that's an issue between one guy who's helped this team win games and Dalton Reisner. Very <laughs> Walter Payton Man of the Year-esque of the old Colorado prospect. Fighting yeah. Dalton Reisner. You know, and and supposedly it it happened because once again Russ got sacked. Because Reisner's part of a group that's going to get his quarterback and, killed, and 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 they were not helping him up, right? And Rippin, being the kind of guy that Rippin is, ain't pretty good guys. Like, hey, what are you doing there? Yeah, why why aren't you helping him up? And Reisner took exception to that. And that Wilson where had that, a little bit of that, Scott Bakula from Necessary Roughness. You gonna block anybody today? Yeah, anybody. And and Brett Rippon probably with something along those lines, like, "Hey, you guys gonna block anybody today?" I mean, like, you don't have to get Russ Rolexes or scooters or a car or whatever, but could you at least block the 
third string tackle for the Rams. It's not Aaron Donald and Von Miller. No, and this guy said the yeah, fearsome like, foursome yeah. out there. You know, Deacon Jones, Deacon Merlin Jones, Olsen. Merlin Olson. These are just kind of jabronis. And then the defense makes Baker Mayfield look like, like wait, wait a minute, this guy was good yeah, enough to be the top. He made it look like a Heisman Trophy winning exactly. number one pick, right? It's like it was embarrassing man, that team. And you know what? And I, Russ was horrible. Russ was bad. It's it's rough to say it, and it may be mean, but to me, the eye test, that team quit. Absolutely, they One quit. One through 53, they quit. There is, Buckeye, you're 100% accurate about that. They, they, the defense saw it and said, okay, we're done. We're done. We're done with this crap. Russ goes out and throws two picks in the first quarter. He's never done that. Bad. One bad, bad pick. Yeah. I mean, they're all bad picks, but, ooh. The Dolchich pick was real. The one who's trying to get to Dolchich's yeah. cross middle was really bad. The other one was a pretty good play, but still. Pull it down and run, but, but, man. But Come on. But as Romo said, and <laughs> how did Nance and Romo feel? You have to wear these god-awful they sweaters. They had to go watch that and, for Christmas. And they had to wear go- those god-awful sweaters. Yeah. Maybe that's but, a choice. You know some people are but the, do the, that. The pass where he, he gets picked, he's trying to push it down the field. Romo goes, guys, open the flat. M- make Yeah. Make that throw. What What are you doing? And 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 I do agree with him that you know watching Russ play, mm-hmm. he's trying to push. He's trying to show so hard. I can push the ball I down can the still field. Do this. Take the yards, man. Pull it down and run. Or or the guy was wide open in the flat. I forgot who was in the flat. He's wide open in the flat. Throw it out to him in the flat. I know there's one play. Cortland Sutton's jumping up and down. And I don't think Cortland was advocating that he was open because he wasn't. I don't think he was advocating for the football. But there was one defender within 15 yards of Russ, and he throws it way downfield for yeah. the pick. I think it was the first pick because yeah. they had that camera view that was from Russ's yeah. back. And Either run or throw it out right. in the right flat. Throw it to where only Cortland can, Cortland can get to it or pull it down and run. Get eight yards and, you know, Get yourself that much closer to the first down marker, however much you can get. Yeah, it pull it down, run, slide, play another play and, with and, the football. And look, and and I think Kisler wrote about this, and and others have mentioned this as well. It's not unique to him that whoever ends up being the next head coach of this football team, your fate, like Nathaniel Hackett, yeah. will be totally connected to what Russell Wilson does mm-hmm. moving forward. Because Russ ain't going anywhere, at least for three years. No, no, he's not. And you're just you're going to have to find a way to make this marriage work. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it, it starts with a little little heart to heart with Russ, right? <laughs> hey, Russ. Um, you know, I, I get that you because you remember the whole thing was Russ is going to be very involved in how this offense is put together. Yeah. Going to be play a key role in that. But even and that's from, been an issue. But but even from from game one at Seattle, remember when they were unsure about what to do into the game? They end up trying the sixty four yard field goal and the, the confusion about what whether were we going for it here? We kick the field goal. It started from the first game of the season, Buckeye, of the disconnect between Nathaniel Hackett and, and Russell Wilson, and and it got slightly better. With Clint Kubiak taking over the play calling duties, but it, but it not, but only not, slightly, but, but but not. I mean, it got better, but not not from you know not not you know from bottom of the basement to 
you know, upper half of the league, it got slightly better. It was inches better, not yes. feet or yards better. Yes, and I, I just think that whoever comes in, part of part of the success, if they're going to have in 2023, is going to be predicated on Russell Wilson understanding where he is now. And that that whoever comes in is going to have to, number one, take advantage of what he still does well. Mm-hmm. And there's still things that Russ does well, contrary to what we... But, but he's going to have to... It's going to be some tough love here a little bit. I mean, the, the much ballyhooed and looking, I, I'm as guilty as anybody as a Broncos fan. I still think it was a good, a, a good move to go get him. At the time, it felt right. I still think it will ultimately work out. Maybe not to the level, not Peyton Manning level, mm-hmm. but I'm hoping maybe, uh, maybe a Super Bowl run is in the offing somewhere during Russ's period of time in Denver. It's just going to be, Russ has to realize that he's not the savior. And I think we all treated him as the savior. All we needed was all we needed was Russ. That's all we needed. And this team could be a playoff team. This team could be a contender in the AFC. This team could be one of the best teams in the league. Well, a horrific offense, mm-hmm. the the lack of continuity between head coach and quarterback, all the injuries that they had on that side of the football. An offensive line that wasn't that great to begin with when it was 100% healthy. Right. Have have all come together to create what's been an absolute disastrous season. And, and a game on Sunday where every time the Broncos have played on national TV, you're thinking, okay, can't get worse like the the you know, like like the you know, the, the losses they've had. Because mm-hmm. most of them have been close losses, but the offense has been terrible. But at least right. they haven't gotten blown out on national TV. Well, can't say that anymore. Can't say that after Sunday, where they just absolutely got CU Buff embarrassed yeah. on national TV. Like the when the Buffs were getting embarrassed on national TV, the first at least that was on FS1. <laughs> this was over the air TV network TV. Well, they they had some they had an ABC game too. They had the what the was it the uh, Minnesota game was an ABC game I think. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, I think they had. They had That's a, couple a good of, point. Yeah, they had a couple of national games where they just. But look, Christmas Day, this game, remember when we saw the schedule? Hey, Russ against Stafford, yeah. defending champs against the Broncos. Russ always seems to find a way to beat the Rams. This is going to be good. And then both these teams, you know, the wheels mm-hmm. fell off the wagon. And, and Look what Russ could do when he has an actual coach. Yeah. And somebody that won't kowtow to the quarterback. Well... Now that's apparently what Russ needs. If you bring in a guy that's like, you know what, I'm going to defer to Russ. You're going to win four games over the course of the year because Russ apparently can't make the right decision anymore. Well, and, and Russ can want to have Sean Payton come to Denver because that's the thing we keep hearing about. You know that he you know, loves what he did with with Drew Brees, similar stature quarterback. Mm-hmm. But that means that Sean Payton has to want to come to Denver, right. and that Denver's going to have to be able to be willing to offer something of value to the New Orleans Saints for them to go, okay, sure. Or do you go with Jerry Rusberg? Because I think Peyton's only got the next year, and then he's technically a free agent coach, right? Is that correct, what I've seen? I believe that is correct. Or else you just ride with somebody like a Rosberg or whatever for another year. Like, all right, we'll get Sean Peyton 2024. 
that's not going to work for the fan base. Let's let's survive. They wanted to, Nathaniel Hackett fired before the plane touched down in Denver in the Seattle game. <laughs> there, there was already the course of, oh, this is a bad decision. Yeah. Hire the wrong guy. And yeah, you know, I'm I'm at that point. Let's preach some patience here. Come on, it it wasn't it wasn't all bad. It was and that was the last time won. Russ threw for over 300 yards yeah. in a game. By the way, yeah, four months ago. Yeah, and part part of whatever's going to happen going forward is is getting Russ to understand you're not the savior. No, you don't get to come in here and just dictate everything that goes on and have an office and you're and not then, you're not Tom Brady you're Jared Goff but Jared Goff but the like at the end of his Rams tenure yeah so early on in Detroit when they wanted to trade for when they wanted to draft somebody else and Goff was just going to be a placeholder and now they're like hey Goff's not bad right you're you're Jared Goff in work the offense as it's designed don't try to force things don't try to I'm gonna turn it all around on this throw yeah I'm gonna show everybody what I can still do he's, to take a metaphor from another sport he's swinging from his shoelaces down 11 with nobody on base absolutely he's swinging for the fences when he's Ty uh, Wigington yeah when great you threw you threw a 45 yard touchdown pass but you've also thrown two picks. We're now down you're, thirty-eight to ten. You're 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 two for thirteen on third down conversions. Great. And every single game I watch now going forward, that's not going to be the case because Hackett's fired. <laughs> yeah. Every game I've watched reinforces the point that Russ was Plan B, and you will never oh, convince me otherwise. Oh, and I and I think you're totally right about that. I think it was let's get Hackett. Rodgers loves Hackett, and there's there's, there's talk mm-hmm. that Hackett's going to go back to Green Bay because they've had their offensive issues, and that they've missed him there, and that the plan was to get Aaron Rodgers, and then that didn't work out. Well, crap. Well, yeah. let's make Russell Wilson. We'll make it work with Russell Wilson, and it ha- obviously has been a disaster. And for Hackett, part of me feels bad for him because first year head coach, they bring in a guy that is a future you know, mm-hmm. Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. He wanted to make it work with him so bad that he made him an equal partner. And and so when you're a first-year head coach, you're, you're, you're trying to make this thing work. And you feel like that's, you know, yeah, this is Russell Wilson. This guy's been to two Super Bowls. He's won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we can make this work as partners. I want I don't want him to feel disrespected. I want him to feel... Like, I appreciate him being here and part of this because that's part of the reason he left Seattle. He didn't feel appreciated or listened to. And and I and I feel bad, plus surrounded by a lot of first-time coaches, first-time coordinators. That was not a well-assembled staff. And that was one of the concerns that I think that we both expressed, I know I certainly did, about the, the youth of the staff. You had to think, okay, hopefully the energy – was going to be good. It was going to be you know young a young staff brings a lot of energy in. They, you know, a lot of these guys coming from the Rams, where they obviously had great success. They won a Super Bowl, but they were not. Some of these guys had not been. They've been position coaches, assistants, not coordinators. 
and it Look, just, and the only way you're going to be able to find out if you can do those jobs is by doing it. Right. But the sheer number of it's guys that or, have never done that role before. Right. One or two guys, it's okay. But half of the staff, that's just, you're not going to be very successful. And and the only one that really lived up to that is Jiro Vera, who, yeah. who declined to be the head coach part, partly because. Smartly. Well, partly, Hell because, nah, he, bro. partly because it's he's buddies with Hackett. And, and partly because he's watched this, and he doesn't want to put that poop mark on his a- resume. Absolutely, he already, he already has to, you know, take the magic eraser yeah. and clean up what happened Sunday against the Rams, with hopefully better performances against the Chiefs and the <laughs> right. Chargers coming he's up. He's now got to get the defense to unquit. Yeah, and then, exactly. And get them back to, well, you know, the defense is still pretty good. I guess still doing his job. Yeah, so he can be considered a head coach somewhere. Will he want to be that guy in Denver? I, I, I don't know. I think at this point in time, I think Ajiro Vera is probably looking very, very closely at where he'll be in twenty twenty three, and it may not be in Denver. You want a hell of a stat right now? Sure. This season, this entire season, Russell Wilson has four wins and twelve touchdown passes. That's equal to uh, the amount of bathrooms his new house has, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Since Thanksgiving, Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville has four wins and 11 touchdown passes. Wow. Yeah. The Jags, who this team somehow beat the Broncos in London, which still counts, right? It doesn't matter if it's a different country. But since then, the Jags have won five games, and Trevor Lawrence has thrown more touchdown passes since losing to Denver, then Russell Wilson has the entire season. 14 since they lost to Denver. Yeah. And, and here's something else, too. There's now five head coaches that have been fired mm-hmm. in their first year being a head coach in the Be NFL. Gone. Speaking of Jacksonville. Yes. Yeah. Last year. Yeah. Urban Herb. Meyer went 2-11 and 11 before he got canned. Can you name, outside of Hackett and Meyer, can you name nope. the other three? No, I saw this list, and there's two guys on there that I have no idea who they are because they're like from the 40s and 50s and 60s. I have no idea. This is a, this, this list only had five guys on it. Really? So, And two of them are names you know. Really? This is from the Post. This is the, the huh. list that they have. Maybe it's a different list I saw. Uh, let's see. First year, fired. Fired in their first year. In their first year. Let's Two guys with strong college backgrounds. Uh, let's see. Petrino left. He wasn't fired, right? He well, or, out. or well, left or did not complete their first year. Oh, okay, okay. So, so it's not Bo- just straight Bo- up fired. Bobby Bobby Petrino is okay. one of them. Because he he was letter in lockers guy and left. They were about ready to fire him, but yeah, yeah he ended up leaving at three and ten. Hey, Bobby, sit down. We I'm quitting. Oh, okay, good. I was. I know how that situation went. Yeah, uh, but I don't know the other one. I don't. Not off. The one top of them. Uh, people for some reason enjoy my impersonation of this guy, Lou Guholk. Oh wow! With the guess. I got rough Lou Holtz or Donald Duck? <laughs> yeah, we got a rough year. I haven't had a chance to warm <laughs> up yet. Come on, uh, Jets coach seventy six. They went three and ten. Pete McCulley. Yeah, one and eight. 
with the Niners in uh, 78. I have no idea who that yeah, is. Well, well <laughs> you and a lot of other people. All right. I always so, forget Lou Holtz was an NFL coach. Yeah, coach of the Jets. All right, 720. Uh, today we're doing a – the rest of the week it will be a holiday edition of our show. Yeah. Which means we'll be leaving a little early, uh, just 7 to 9 today through Friday, by the way. So we will have uh, a shorter show than the normal this week with the holiday and everything. I so, said woo-hoo. So we'll talk with uh, CMU women's basketball coach Taylor Wagner coming up in just a moment. Let's get to what's happening. All right, start things out with big news from yesterday. After a dreadful Christmas Day loss to the Rams, New Broncos ownership didn't wait until Black Monday to fire first-year head coach Nathaniel Hackett. He becomes the first first-year head coach in Denver history to not survive a season and the fifth in league history. The Broncos lost 8-1 score games on the way to their 4-11 record with a top-five scoring defense but possess an offense that's the lowest-scoring unit in the league. Denver CEO Greg Pinner announced the decision and wrote that the ownership group, along with general manager George Payton, will be involved in the search for a new coach. Former Baltimore assistant coach Jerry Rosberg will be the interim coach for the final two games. Rosberg was brought in to help with in-game management. Several outlets reported the team offered the job to defensive coordinator Ajiro Vero, but he declined. In other Broncos news, former Palisade Mesa State NFL tight end Vin Steele is now the offensive line coach of the Broncos. Steele was the assistant offensive line coach to Butch Berry. Berry, along with head coach Nathaniel Hackett and special teams coach Dwayne Stooks, were all fired Monday after the Broncos lost to the Rams. Steele was an assistant line coach at Minnesota last season was previously on the staffs of the Falcons and Buccaneers. He also coached at the college level at then Mesa State for former coach Joe Romano, along with stints at the University of Colorado and UC Davis. Steele played in the NFL from 2001 to 2007. Last night, Monday Night Football, the Los Angeles Chargers punched their ticket to the postseason. They beat the Colts by the score of 20-3. to Former Western Colorado University standout Austin Eckler had two rushing touchdowns. Justin Herbert, 235, threw a pick last night. But the Chargers get the 20-3 to win. They're now 9-6 and as they move on to the playoffs. And former Central High and LSU tied in Cole Taylor as a new team. Taylor hit the transfer portal and is heading to the Big 12 to play at West Virginia. Taylor announced on Twitter he was transferring to Morgantown after three seasons with LSU during his time with the Tigers. A 6'7", 250-pound Taylor caught 17 passes for 159 yards and one touchdown. Hit over 1,000 yards receiving and 18 touchdowns as a warrior. He was recruited by Colorado out of high school and Taylor told the Daily Sentinel he also visited Boulder when he decided to transfer. He also visited Oklahoma State his former central quarterback, Max Marsh, plays safety at Kansas State. The two will meet in Big 12 play next season. And today on the Team Sports Network, a couple of bowl games for you right here on the team. And action starts this morning at 10 o'clock. It's the Camilla Bowl with Georgia Southern taking on Buffalo. And then later on today, the Birmingham Bowl, Coastal Carolina against East Carolina. That's at 445 today. And that's a look at what's happening. Up next, we'll talk a little Colorado Mesa women's basketball with Taylor Wagner. That's on the way on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Who do I listen to? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader. Whoever suggested that has got to be smoking crack and plenty of it. Whoa. The Team. Talking Colorado Mesa women's hoops with Mavs coach Taylor Wagner on The Team. And with us right now, the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, coach of the Cutbird Mesa women's basketball team, Taylor Wagner. Taylor, good morning. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Yes, thank you. It's good. How was yours? Uh, it was excellent. It was really, really good. So you get a chance to go out and do a little shooting with Bryn. Uh, do you have a little three-point shooting contest? We did not do that, no. Oh, no, because I, <laughs> I thought we are going to have a chance to see 
see the the old man still uh, demonstrate his superiority over uh yeah, maybe today maybe today maybe so. today go out and shoot a little oops today well uh yeah. for your basketball team a, a much needed win against uh, adam state and uh, olivia reed who's had a great start to her maverick career the, the freshman named the the armac defensive player of the week um she had you know recorded the, the fourth double double of his career 14 points 15 rebounds she had 12 defensive boards in that win against adam state uh, she is certainly she also had a couple of block shots as well in that game uh before the holiday break uh, olivia reed off to a really great start as a maverick yeah I, you know we knew she'd be good. I just didn't know she'd be good this early. And uh, we definitely, uh, in the rebounding department, she's really kind of cleaned up everything. She's played really well all year. Uh, you know, th- there was that weekend where she was sick and and uh, wasn't feeling well. And she didn't have great games, but uh, she still played well enough. But she's just she's just taken it to another level, and hopefully she continues to, to develop and add different things to her game as the season goes on. When you recruited her, what were some of the things that, that that struck you about her? And like you said, I think you you expected her to 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 play to play fairly well as a freshman, but you know, a freshman nonetheless. I mean, she's really exceeded those expectations. What were things you saw in her game where you went, okay, she ultimately could be a really good player for us? Well, I'm I've known her since she was a baby, so <laughs> uh, I know the parents. Uh, you know, both her mom and dad played college basketball. Or- and uh, so I know she comes from, a, you know, a good background. But, you know, watching her over the summer and everything, she was a great rebounder. She always competed. She played hard. She was a great teammate, always positive. Uh, you know, and she just gives it every time she goes out on the floor. And she's done that. She's shown that every day in practice. And, and in the game, She'll she goes out and competes. Taylor Wagner, coach of the Colorado Mesa women's basketball team with us. And you know, I think going back to that Saturday where he knocked off uh, Adam State, you know, they, they were leading the, the RMAC in scoring. He did a, a really nice job of, of really shutting them down on the defensive end. Yeah, you know, I, I think the girls are starting to figure it out a little bit. You know, we're playing better. and uh, You know, in November we don't win that game against Adam State. You know, we, we've been in that situation a couple other times this year. and We weren't able to close out the game, and they, they did that on Saturday. And, uh, you know, I think the defense is coming along. It almost reminded me of the Metro State game where we had that lead, and all we needed to do was come up with a stop, and, uh, you know, we, we ended up giving up a wide-open three-pointer, and the girl hits it. Where in the Adams game, we needed one more stop, and uh, we're able to contest every shot and then come up with the big rebound. And, uh, so I, I think we're growing. And we're heading in the right direction. Taylor Wagner, coach of the Colorado Mesa women's basketball team, and joining us on the Team Sports Network. Just a couple other takeaways, uh, Taylor, from that game. A couple of other uh, areas where you saw improvement from your basketball team in getting that first RMAC win. What would what would those be for you? Well, we, we just looked like a team, <laughs> you know. Um, we went back and watched uh, our UCCS game, and we, you know, as a team, I think we got through about three quarters of the game before we had to go to weights. We went through every defensive possession, and uh, there was only three times where we played like a team, and everyone got the rotations, and we knew where we needed to be. Every other time, there was a breakdown, and so I think it, kind of the light went off in the girls' head, like, wow, you know. 
we aren't in the right spots and we're not getting back in transition or we don't block out. And uh, I think that was the biggest thing is, you know, they kind of were starting to see like, you know, the coaches have been saying it. We've shown them little things, but we just kind of watched every defense possession. And, and I think it really kind of, you know, they took it to heart and they went out and played, you know, Adams was lead, like you said, Adams was leading the Armac and scoring. And I felt like we had a pretty good defensive game against them. Conor Mesa women's basketball coach Taylor Wagner with us on the Team Sports Network. And, of course, I mentioned Olivia Reed is the, the RMAC uh, Defensive Player of the Week heading into, of course, games resuming this weekend. And she gets to meet the RMAC Offensive Player of the Week, uh, Janiah Davis for CSU Pueblo. Uh, she notched a double-double, 22 points and 10 rebounds uh, in their win over South Dakota Mines uh, right before the holiday break. Right now they're third in the RMAC with a 4-1 and record. And uh, Davis has been playing really well, had that big offensive game against South Dakota Mines. So it'll be a, a fun matchup uh, Friday night when Olivia Reed, Defensive Player of the Week, uh, scores off against the Offensive Player of the Week and the Thunder Wolves' Janiah Davis. Yeah, I mean, Pueblo's playing well right now. Um, I, I kind of see him maybe a little bit of a matchup problem. They, they play five guards, and uh, you know, they're leading the – Armac and three pointers made and three pointers attempted. So, you know, they're really going to spread the floor. And like you mentioned, Janai Davis, she's had big games against us in years past, too. So, um, she's definitely got some different things around her and different players that are, that are doing well. And so it's going to be a tough matchup. But, you know, Adams was tied for second. Um, you know, the next two games that we play, they're both playoff teams right now. And so, we haven't won on the road, so I'm really anxious to kind of see, you know, number one, how the girls came back shape or not. We'll know that in about an hour and a half here, but um, are, are they ready to, you know, kind of take that next step and win on the road against playoff teams and, and kind of keep this thing going? And, and as good as Janiah Davis has been for them, uh, she's not even their leading scorer right now. She's currently fourth in scoring on this team. Sharice Fairley and Landry Hudson both uh, 14 actually for for fairly almost 15 points per game Hudson's right around uh, just a little under 11 points per basketball game what about those two players make this uh, Thunder Rolls team really tough Taylor yeah I mean just experience um, you know uh, Sharice Fairley uh, she's a D1 transfer the Hudson girls a transfer from Wyoming um, so you know they've got experience in playing and then they both shoot the ball really well and like I said, they're just, they all kind of spread the floor and they look for each other and they do a great job of, you know, hitting the open man. So it's going to be one of those games where we've really got to lock down. And the whole weekend, too, with Highland, we've really got to do a great job on the perimeter and, and not let them get going from the three point line. And you look at what they do on the offensive and defensive side. I mean, they're sixth in the, in the conference in scoring, they're sixth in defense. It's a pretty balanced basketball team that CSU Pueblo has. They are, yeah. And like I said, I think they're one of the top teams, and um, you know they're they're playing as well as anybody. And so we we've, we've just got to be ready to to be able to match their intensity. I know it's going to be a big game for them. And uh, you know, one of the other coaches when we played them, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, they're like, "You're still Mesa." So you know, everybody gets up to play us, and, and we need to be able to to be ready for these guys and, and match their intensity and. It, because you know they they want to be a playoff team, they still got a chance to to win the RMAC. So 
it's a big game for both of us. Carmen Mesa women's basketball coach Taylor Wagner with us on the Team Sports Network, New Mexico Highlands. They're three and three in conference right now. They're nine and three overall. And they've been playing some pretty good basketball. They won that trip to the Dakotas, Taylor, and, and got a split there. They did. You know, like I said, they're a much improved basketball team. They've added a couple transfers and uh, you know, the, the games they've lost they've been in too. So it's it's one of those things where um, we're on the road and they're home and uh, usually when you come back from the break, it's a sloppy game, and people don't shoot it particularly well. So I'm, I'm hoping that uh, you know our, our defense picks up and our rebounding continues to be there, and, and, and hopefully our inside game as well. You know, Monica and Olivia have done a good job for us, and, and uh, I think that's still got to be something that we exploit against these two teams is, uh, in our inside game and really trying to be physical with them. And I think we look at the Cowgirls, where they kind of hang their hat, at least right now, Taylor, is what they do on the defensive end. They're fourth in the conference. They're giving up just a little under 61 points per game. So on the defensive end, they've been really good to start things out. They have. Um, you know, they make you take tough shots. They make you play ugly. And, and like I said, in years past, they they would kind of do that, but then they'd break down usually in the second half. And, they haven't shown that at all this year. They, I think they've got some good pieces, and, and then they're playing well as a team. Jordan Lewis leads them in scoring 11.3 points per basketball game. Uh, and when you look at the, the film on on Highlands, I mean, what you mentioned what they do defensively, but on the offensive end, what are some of the strengths? Obviously, Lewis is one of those strengths from a scoring standpoint. Yeah. Um, now, she played last year. <laughs> So she graduated, but if they, oh, they so, brought I, her back, I'm sorry. I looked at I looked at the <laughs> I grabbed the grabbed the wrong stats from last you year. Grabbed last year, so that, they're still shooting the ball well. Like I said earlier, you know they're a good three point shooting team, and they get to the free throw line quite a bit. So I think those are the two areas where you know usually they had one or two girls that were really offensively minded, and everybody else just kind of played off of them. And they have four or five girls that uh, you know are, are pretty consistent throughout the year, and. And I think that's what's given them, you know, the year they have is they're so balanced offensively, and they've got multiple weapons now on this team. Well, let's talk about the players they have here in 2022. Shall we do that, uh, Julianne? Julianne Aragon. That, yeah. now, she's uh, look as you know as good as they were last year in terms of some of their players. Uh, Aragon's had a, a sensational start to the season, almost 15, actually almost 16 points per game. So Aragon is really. Uh, kind of stepped into that role that Lewis had last year as their leading scorer. Yeah, you know, like I said, she's shooting 51% from the three-point line, 52% from the field, and she's just really effective. Uh, and, uh, you know, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Just does a good job for them. In terms of the size matching up, what's that matchup look like for you guys when it, when it comes to the Highlands Cowgirls? Well, I mean, they're athletic and long. Um, you know, I don't think they're a huge team. Um, you know, where kind of like a mines. You know, their length really bothers everybody, but uh, they're scrappy and they get after it. You know, they'll kind of switch up their defense. They'll press a little bit, play zone man. So, you know, that they just kind of make you do some different things and try and keep you off balance. And so, I've coverage of uh, the games at CSU Pueblo and New Mexico Islands. And earlier start time both days on Friday. Our coverage starts uh, for the women at uh, 1.45. Tip-off is at 2 o'clock on, 
on Friday, by the way. Likewise, on Saturday as well, we'll have coverage of the men's games following both uh, the, the women's games with CSU Pueblo and New Mexico Highlands right here on the Team CMU Sports Network and Maverick Basketball presented to you by Ken Richards State Farm Insurance. Taylor, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And and uh, have a great trip down or over to Pueblo and, of course, to uh, Las Vegas, New Mexico. Come back with a couple of wins and get yourself back in the playoff conversation. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Taylor Wagner, coach of the Maverick women's basketball team. Always helps when we talk about players that are currently playing, not played last year. Like Juliana Aragon right now mm-hmm. at about 16 points per game for uh, the Highlands Cowgirls. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to blame that on the SIDs at the schools. And, and I'll explain why. Okay. Uh, it's not really kissing butt to the boss, although that never hurts. But when I would do when I did the Adam State game for CMU, I was doing some prep, and it's partially on me to not look at the correct season of stats. When you'd think you go to the men's basketball page, you click on statistics, and it would take you to the current season. That's, that's kind of that's an assumption. I, that's what I just did. Well, Adams and apparently Highlands, <laughs> their link, at least for Adams, went to two seasons ago. Uh-oh. And I printed it off, and I was I'm like, wait a minute. Like, half of this roster doesn't match. What's going on? And then I would try to go to the current season, and the link was broken. Like, you can go to the drop-down menu, but it wouldn't go anywhere. So I will blame that firmly. Well, I will lay that fir- firmly at the feet of the SIDs of the specific schools. So... I don't think it's so much your yeah you're you're definitely not kissing my butt because that's not what, really my style. It's what it's what you've already yeah. had happened to you because I I clicked mm-hmm. I was like in stats I'm like okay and I'm like wait a minute that's twenty twenty one twenty twenty two yeah yeah because you think naturally it's just going to go to mm-hmm. the, the right the, that, season that, the current season for stats and CMU not a problem. Dave, Game notes previews ding, the ding, whole ding. thing links go to the right spot. It's it's a well-oiled machine. That's why he's an award-winning SID. Absolutely. Well-deserved. Some of the other schools in the RMAC, eh. you know, the amount of working links is kind of commensurate with some of their wins sometimes. <laughs> I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, just just saying. Yeah, but when, you know, you're always in the RMAC picture for the, the tournament and the title and going to the postseason where – you know, teams from Texas have to look up your information because you're playing them in the tournament. You got to have work and links. You know, it would, it's helpful. It's a championship style website. Exactly, exactly. And their new redesign. Oh, it's, fan, very it's fantastic. Well much, much better. Much, much better. All right, uh, coming up, we're going to talk with Wyatt Thompson. Uh, preview Michigan TCU for the college football playoffs. Right now, it's time for sound check. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Yes, well, Romy Bean, we've had her on this program uh, once or twice before. Right. She's former Denver Broncos cheerleader, used to work for 850 KOA, now works for uh, CBS4 out of Denver covering the Broncos. Well, she went to Los Angeles to cover the Christmas Day game, and it was a Christmas miracle she even made it because her luggage did not after, I believe, two canceled flights. Now trying to get home from Los Angeles, she may not even still be home because her flight out of Los Angeles was delayed until Tuesday night. 
Ooh. Well, things have been happening in Broncos country, so her and her cameraman producer guy are hitting the road. All right. We are not waiting till Tuesday night anymore and flying through Sacramento to Denver. New plan. We're getting in a car. We are driving to Las Vegas to catch a flight to Denver uh, this evening, but it's not a direct flight. It actually goes uh, from Las Vegas to Colorado Springs to DIA. But you know what? Here's hoping that it's not delayed, that it's not canceled. Update, we are en route to Las Vegas. Meet Brad Madden. Hello. Cameraman, driver extraordinaire, does it all. Uh, Brian and I are- See Brian and I are heading to Vegas, and guess what? Nathaniel Hackett is heading out of Denver. He has been fired by the Denver Broncos. Something we kind of saw coming, but um, yeah. So somebody tell Nathaniel Hackett not to fly in Southwest because it won't work out for him. We're here with a new update. Um, we're on track to get to Vegas about seven hours after we left LA because of traffic, but and the Broncos fired their our flight is canceled. No big deal. So new option. We are probably road tripping to Colorado. Might spend the night in Utah. I don't know. You know, we'll see where, where the night takes us. We might just drive straight to the Broncos facility to get there for the Penner press conference on Tuesday morning, 10 a.m. Seems like the time's going to work out perfect. So if you guys are driving through town, Romy and producer guy, who I forgot your name, welcome to uh, welcome to the pile momentarily. Welcome to Grand Junction. Yes. Welcome to the Valley. Welcome to the Western And Slope. drive safe the rest of the way. Exactly. Road conditions are not not great. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Wyatt Thompson, our uh, college football insider, joins us next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Talking college football with the team's insider, Wyatt Thompson, on the Jim Davis Show. And with us right now, the voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, our college football insider, Wyatt Thompson. Wyatt, happy holidays. Hope you and the family had a very Merry Christmas. Well, we did. It was really, really fun, but very fast, as they all are. And uh, right now, I'm sitting here talking to you from my hotel room in New Orleans, where we will have our Sugar Bowl broadcast coming up on Saturday morning at 11 o'clock Central Time. So, life's pretty good right now, buddy. So, uh, make sure you find it on on TuneIn and check out uh, Wyatt calling uh, the Sugar Bowl coming up on Saturday. So we have we, we previewed one half of the national championship uh, playoffs uh, when we spoke last week. We thought we'd look at the other half this week, and that is Michigan taking on a team that you know well in uh, TCU. Of course, a, a team that uh, Kansas State was able to, to get the win against uh, to end the regular season and uh, win a, a, pack, or a Big 12 championship. So with TCU... It's it's Max Duggan, right? That I mean, he is the Heisman Trophy winner. Wyatt, for them, he is the straw that stirs the drink. I mean, they average 40 points per game. TCU won five games against ranked teams this season before falling short to, to your Wildcats in the Big 12 title game. It's Their success is really predicated on what Max Duggan's able to do against that Michigan defense. He is a remarkable story this year in college football. There's no doubt. You kind of laid it out there pretty well. I mean, I think most people know that this was a guy that had been pretty much their quarterback there uh, for three years. Then they have the coaching change. (laughs) They start the year with him being the number two guy behind Morris, and Morris gets hurt in game one, and the rest is history, as they like to say. Duggan takes over and was just brilliant. 
I don't know how else to say it. He's such a tough kid. I think everybody saw that if they watched the, the Big 12 championship game. He literally, Jim, did everything he could possibly do to try to put his team you know, on his back and carry them to the title, falling just a little bit short. I love the kid. He's as tough as nails. And, and to me, um, you know, he is the key to that football team. And, and I think in this particular game, um, you know, what J.J. McCarthy gives gives Michigan made, I mean, who wins this battle could be huge. I don't know how else to say it. Right, and I think in the case of, of Duggan, obviously he's you know a tremendous dual threat player. There's, there's little doubt about that. But Michigan's been really good against dual threat guys. I mean, they gave up one long run to Sean Clifford of Penn State. It's like a 62-yard yep. run. But most quarterbacks, at least during the the you know the Big Ten season, didn't have a lot of luck running the football against this Michigan defense, and that'll be the challenge for Duggan in that offense. Can he make some plays in the quarterback run game? Well, here's the thing I would tell you, um, and, and this is kind of just the, the reality of it. I don't think Duggan is the dual-threat guy in this offense that he was in years past, and in this case, that's a good thing. He's been more of a move-the-pocket-a-little-bit kind of guy, roll out and throw a little bit. But what I love about him is is he runs when it's necessary and always seems to get something positive. Sometimes it's a really big play. He had a couple of runs in the fourth quarter in the Big 12 championship game that were just so good. K-State lost contain, and it, it's, to me, I I just think he has a great feel, and this offense fits him like a glove, simply stated. And I think we, we've seen his ability to, to make plays during the football. I mean, most notably Quentin Johnson. He's his favorite, uh, you know, deep threat go-to guy to come up with an explosive play with that, with that combination. Absolutely. Here's the thing about, and, and I guess I probably did a poor job of, of finishing the thought there. They're good enough around Duggan now with Kendra Miller and with Quentin Johnston on the outside and some of the other people that they have that, you know, Duggan kind of just runs the, the operation but is the lead spark plug, if you will. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah sure. That makes but those sense. Other guys, those other guys are way better than most people will perceive them to be. Johnston's going to be more than likely a first-round pick. I think Kendra Miller um, – uh, our coach would tell you that he is absolutely the single most underrated football player in the Big 12. That's a pretty big mouthful in this league. That's 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 fact. And, and then you look at JJ McCarthy, who you know had back-to-back three touchdown games, but his completion percentage is is sub sixty percent. He's at fifty-six point one percent, but he makes big yeah. plays throwing the football. Uh, but and look with TCU, really good secondary uh, with uh, the Thorpe Award winner. Uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson uh, Bud Clark's really good, Josh Newton's really good That can that Michigan passing game be effective against a really good Horn Frog secondary? It will be easier for J.J. too if they run the ball. I mean there's going to be an elite amount of pressure on him if TCU slows them down in the run game some and I think Michigan will be able to run on, on them some. So that is certainly something to watch I don't think McCarthy has to play great, but I think he has to play maybe just what I'll describe as a skosh above his regular season level. 
I almost would say maybe this will be the weird. This will sound weird to you, but it's almost like he's. This is kind of what Duggan was as a sophomore, right? I mean, a good player, right? Um, rock solid, you know, does a good job, but the numbers are just solid, not not breathtaking. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but I do think this kid's better than than maybe the numbers. Uh, say you're right he can make some throws if you give him some time and keep him clean he can hurt you from time to time and they as as you might surmise they've got some pretty good people around him too Wyatt Thompson voice Kansas State Wildcats or college football insider with us Wyatt we got about uh, 60 seconds left I think Donovan Edwards you know with Blake Corum out Edwards becomes I think a real key to their success I think you referenced that in taking pressure off J.J. McCarthy in that passing game yeah, you have to get some help there. And and again, I don't know what you think of Michigan defensively, but but I think they will they will challenge TCU. TCU is going to have to play really well to win this game. I, I'm just and I you know how I feel about them. They're they're a really good club, but there are some intriguing matchups in, in this game. And and you know there you mentioned Hodges Tomlinson. I, I think Donovan Edwards what he did late. Um, how does he figure in? Is is the other guy healthy? I mean, there are very, very intriguing storylines in this game. All right, who plays for the national championship and who wins it, Wyatt? <laughs> wow, I know you're running out of time here. Yeah, about 30 but, uh, seconds. Yeah, I, I'm going to say TCU, and that's that's a biased pick, and I admit it, uh, will we'll play uh, and unfortunately will fall to Georgia in the title game. Go get Alabama, okay? Go take care of them. <laughs> We're going to try it. All right. I appreciate it, Wyatt. Have a happy new year. Appreciate it, my friend. Thanks, partner. Good talking to you. Likewise. Take care. Wyatt Thompson joining us today as Kansas State gets ready to face Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. All right. We will take a break. We'll come back with Hour 2. Quick reminder, it's a holiday edition of our show. We'll be done at 9 o'clock this morning. So if you want to text in about Hackett getting fired, 970-242-1340.